This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Mobile hunters, the king of comfort has arrived. Go to tetherednation.com and check out the new Lockdown Saddle. Over the past two years, Tethered has tested and refined a new approach to their saddle lineup. The Lockdown Saddle takes the best-in-class features from the Phantom, like the Utilibridge, Comfort Channels, and included an expandable saddle body with their Lockdown Link construction to take saddle hunting to the next level of comfort. As if this wasn't enough, they developed Lockdown Haulers, which has a slightly rigid internal frame structure, so you can easily unzip, zip, and access haulers with one hand. And if you're a guy like me with no junk in your trunk and have issues with your saddle staying put while you're walking in to hunt, the Lockdown Modular Yoke solves this problem. Whether you're new to saddle hunting or an old tree climbing veteran, go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting gear. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 344. Today, I'm joined by my buddy, Greg Litzinger, for our annual summer listener Q&A session, so stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. I am fresh back from family vacation, feeling recharged, rejuvenated. Uh, nothing too crazy. We just went and had a, a kind of a chill, relaxing uh, time away from the normal everyday grind. Um, didn't do anything too crazy. Got a couple of jujitsu sessions in. Uh, found a gym uh, in in the area that we were vacationing and uh, dropped in and had uh, two training sessions there, spent some time in the sauna, hit the gym a couple times, some pool time, did a little horseback riding, had to run in with a rattlesnake while we were horseback riding. So that was kind of like the, I guess, the adrenaline excitement for the trip. A little bit of zip lining, a little bit of go-kart riding, ice cream, you know. And uh, so now we are back to the uh, the usual grind off the uh, vacation diet, if you will. It's always kind of fun for the first couple of days, and then you realize that um, 
the vacation diet doesn't make you feel so great. <laughs> so, so I'm back to kind of like the, uh, the straight and narrow path, trying to get things back, uh, trying to get things back in order. But with that, the 4th of July holiday is behind us, which now means we fully focus our attention on the upcoming fall because it will be here before we know it, especially if you have those early, um, those early openers, you know, out, uh, in some of the Western States. And if certainly if you're headed out West to do any kind of elk hunting or, um, uh, things of that nature, your season is, uh, season is fast approaching. But with that, I have two things that I want to pass along to you guys before we jump into today's show. One, if you haven't heard, Tethered launched their lockdown saddle. If you haven't had a chance to check that thing out, I had a chance to put my eyes on it, my hands on it at, at an outdoor show uh, earlier in the spring and uh, actually have one uh, have one here at the house I've been kind of playing with and uh, been hanging out in a tree in my backyard, doing some shooting, things of that nature. And uh, if you're a guy who either one has been saddle hunting and you know is looking to upgrade, this is a killer saddle. I would definitely check this one out. If you're someone who listens to this show, is into mobile hunting, but maybe saddle hunting was something that you were on the fence about because uh, you were concerned with comfort or things of that nature. They kind of solved all those um, concerns with this particular uh, with this particular saddle. So head over to tethernation.com and check out the lockdown saddle. You won't be disappointed. Also, if you haven't done so and you're looking for a lightweight killer mobile pack, uh, whether it's for saddle hunting or if you're tree stand hunting and you just hunt mobile, the uh, the tethered fast pack is the uh, is the pack you're probably going to want to pick up. It's a little pricey, um, but it's bomb proof. You'll have it for I mean this thing will probably be around whenever you're done hunting. To be quite honest with you, um, I've been using it to scout uh, the past. Uh, well, scout and hang trail cameras the past you know several weeks, um, and it's awesome. You know it's kind of small in size. It's a small profile. Um, but the way they kind of constructed it, there's nothing. I've actually put all my hunting gear in it from everything that I would use for early season to late season camera recording gear, you know, camera arm, like all those things. Um, even though it's a much smaller pack and profile than the one that I've used previously, it fits all my gear actually better than the previous pack did, surprisingly. Um, so go ahead uh, to tethernation.com and uh, check that out as well. Also, if you are looking for some new glass, I've been using, using Maven uh, optics for, for years. Um, historically, I've used ten, uh, the, the 10 by 42s. And they've served me really well. Um, I recently got some B3s, uh, which are just a smaller set of glass for um, more for like timber hunting, you know, for for whitetails. I don't quite need the 10 by 42s for around here, uh, but do like them whenever I'm out west or in Kansas. They recently just launched the B7s, which is essentially very, very similar to the B3s, only they're even more compact. They actually will fold down almost, I don't want to say half, but like almost half its size. But you're still getting the same killer killer glass that you would get in like a B3. I think it, they come in, in in slightly different sizing options uh, as the B3s. Um, but regardless, the Maven glass is just killer uh, for the money. You can't beat it. Uh, you won't find a better glass at the uh, at the price point that that Maven has. So head over to uh, Maven's website and check that out as well. You want to check out the B7s if you're in uh, the market for a good kind of budget friendly set of glass for um, for white tail hunting. That's uh, that's big on quality, but a little bit, um, a little bit more, uh, price conscious for, uh, for my fellow, uh, Eastern white toe hunters. So with that, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show. I have a cool show for you guys today. This is the part two from the session from last week that I released, uh, with Greg and I, uh, you know, Greg came over to the house. We did a session together. You heard part of the first part of that last week. The second part is we, you know, dive in like we always like to during the course of the summer is we take a handful of listener questions 
and try to address them for anyone who has things that are on their mind as they're getting ready to launch into this upcoming season. So that's exactly what we do on this session. If you've listened to this show for any length of time, you kind of get the drill. We'll kind of pipe off the question, and then Greg and I will take a stab at uh, doing our best to, uh, to answer that question. So with that, we'll go ahead and jump into today's show. And as always, thank you all for listening. Well, cool, man. I think at this point, dude, you know, the whole reason we were getting together was we were going to do uh, we were going to do some question and answer shiz. If you're down with yeah, it, let's we'll, do it. We'll see what some folks had to, to write in. So thanks everyone who who wrote in, um, and uh, always appreciate you guys writing in some thoughtful stuff so we can uh, have a little fun, get you some questions answered before the season kicks off. And that's kind of how I prefaced it. You know, as we're getting ready to prep for the season, things you might be thinking about, have questions about want us to dive into and uh and this is what you guys came up with so we'll just kind of dive right into it so this first one is uh question would be what are we focusing on during early season september to pre-rut uh september to that pre-rut transition and how are we using summer intel to formulate that game plan food betting betting food um I know there's a lot of talk on you know mock scrapes this time of year it seems yeah. to be a, a hot thing right now. So mock scrapes so hot right now. Um, Remember whenever the no one was like that was you never heard of yeah. like never heard of that. And I think if you can just locate the food and if you can glass from a from a even if you gotta get in the woods, sit in a stand and glass some food, that would be my my personal thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, scrapes in the summer. I don't get much action on bigger deer. Um, I find them in the, in the beans, but maybe it's because of the pressure. New Jersey's mm-hmm. a different state, you know. Um, Delaware, same same thing. You know, it was just roadside glassing. Mm-hmm. There's a deer, and you look at a map, and you try to start just pinpointing it, you mm-hmm. know, taking a stab at it, so to speak. Um, not contaminating the ground that yeah. you're planning on hunting. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's funny that you mentioned the, uh, you know, the scrape thing because, you know, it's like I love summer scrapes, community scrapes, because they're great for getting yeah. in inventory. Like, especially if you have one that you know is getting used all year round. At some point during the summer, the big deer that hang out in the area are going to stop by. They're like every other deer. They're going to yeah. communicate at some point. They're just probably not going to be there super yeah. consistent during the summer. Um, but you don't want to necessarily you don't want to hunt those like you would hunt around community scrape areas like you would in middle to late Octo- mm. October. Like it's just not the same value proposition for the deer. They don't have to necessarily yeah. go there. What I did start paying attention to it for and that I would use because, you know, that big piece for me, and I'll just kind of use that as a reference because I think I'm going to spend a, a lot of my time there this fall, you know, as much as I can because I don't have anything. I didn't have anything local last year you know, returns thus far haven't been good, at least on the cameras that I've had out or the cell cameras mm-hmm. that I've been kind of monitoring just to see what's, what's around to this point. Maybe I'll have one or two decent ones show up. You know, that'd be cool. But what I do like to use them for, especially up there, is if I can get one that's kind of like <clears throat> breaking that like right around daylight still kind of time frame in the morning and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It gives me a real good idea of like where he's betting not far away, you know? And so then it, for me, it becomes food. Cause there's no, there's no destination food sources. there. No. usually where they're betting up there. They're kind of jumping what seems to me. And I talked to Steve Shirk about this a little bit. And I talked to my buddy 
Mike who lives up around that area, it almost seems like these deer are moving from like place of abundance to place of abundance. And that's where they're kind of living. So if you find the place of abundance, it's the same thing. It's like you're working on food, but like in this scenario, the food is also where they're, where they're bedding. Yeah. And if there's a scrape that's outside there and you can kind of see one come through like during that earlier part of the season and it's, a, and it's at the right time and you know where the place of abundance is because that scrape's probably close to it. Mm. That means he's probably bedded not far off from that spot. Yes. Like I would say he's probably not bedding much further than maybe the fringes of mm. that s- spot in circumference, yeah. like around, you know what I mean? Agreed. And, and so that's kind of how I use it. And it's, it's something I just look, like I said earlier, I'm a little bit dense sometimes. I didn't think of this until literally like the past two weeks. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It was literally, well, cause I had been mulling it over. I did the episode that I did with Steve Shirk and he and I talked about it a little bit and you know, it was once he and I talked, it like affirmed what I was thinking. Then I spent some time with Mike, you know, he kind of was affirming what I was thinking. So I'm like, that's very like, um, terrain. Yeah. Specific, Mm -hmm. uh, woods type specific, big woods settings, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's definitely different in farm country. Yeah. Yeah. Your area. It's like, I would give two shits about what was happening at a scrape. Yeah. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I, the only thing I would care would just be inventory and yeah, that would be it. Cause we got, they like said, you got the beans and they plant them at different rates. You know, sometimes they plant them early and sometimes these be, by September his beans are starting to yellow. So they're gone. Yeah. So you, you can class a bean field all summer long. Like, Hey, you get a dry spell and those beans just start curling up and you're like, mm-hmm. well, that's a waste. Where's he going to go? You know, right. next food source. Usually you might some, have some oaks, you know, or, or you know, corn or, or something. So you got to mm-hmm. be able to just, for me, find the food. Right. And like I said, the place of abundance where the food is, where they want to eat, that's where they're going to be. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it was interesting, you know, I can't take coining that phrase because that was something Steve kind of said to me was like these places of abundance and like, and what he really meant by that was, is it's like, not only does it provide like cover, but it, it's cover, it's the right terrain it's they have food there it's like they have bedding there it's like everything that they need is in this little pocket and it's a very like you said it's a very big woods type of type of thing because it's not like it's a hundred thousand acres of like i find that in the similar sections in the pines would be like that i was gonna say yeah because a lot of it would be barren beyond that right yeah Yeah. for sure pines believe it they'll do a lot of walking in the pines Mm -hmm. i mean they'll they'll travel a lot to get food and cover. Right. Because some of the pines, it's it's open pines. It's not a lot of security cover. Right. But the bedding's here, but the food isn't, because it's pines, it's really not, a, they'll browse whatnot, but like the main food source might be you know, five, 600 yards away. So these deer are commuting. Right. You know, they have a long commute daily to get to right. and from food and security. Like, because sometimes the food, there's not a lot of security there. It's, yeah. So they got to go where they feel safe to bed. So, yeah. The other thing I'm considering doing, is uh again tap dance but, well yeah i mean always that yeah you know it's like i'm big into tap yeah. you know <laughs> if i strike you as a guy who likes to tap i got two left feet dude we were trying to do this judo throw at jujitsu like two weeks ago and it's like almost like a dance before yeah. you like you gotta cross your feet dude i was so bad at it i was like this is exactly why i don't dance you know anyway um not tap dancing yeah. um so there's this last spot that i was in 
uh, with my buddy up there when we were scouting like two weekends ago or whatever it was, three weekends ago. Um, there's these little ridge systems that are in this particular area that you, then there's these like two, you know, you know, relatively big, like in this case, there's like a swamp or whatever, Mm -hmm. but it could be just as easily be like a clear cut or whatever that's hidden Mm -hmm. to a degree. Right. Um, and it was interesting because the way these things set up was like this smaller ridge actually gave you a glassing vantage point Mm -hmm. down into that swamp. Right. Or if you're somewhere that you have a cut, you can, yeah. you know, you, you can see down into a cut. And so the one thing that we've talked about doing is actually headed up there in sometime in August, because that is a place of abundance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like anywhere you're finding diversity is going to be that abundance. Right. So it's like, where's diversity usually live? Well, usually around water. Why? Because you have wet meeting dry that then ventures into like whatever is beyond that. Yeah. Right. And so they got everything they want there. And so, was like, let's sit here and just glass this. And cause I was like, I wouldn't doubt if like a couple big deer just walk out in the middle of that swamp. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, you need in certain portions, you would need like hip boots, hips or chests, you know what I mean? To get into certain spots, but yeah. on the fringes of it, you know what I mean? Like, no, it's just a lot of food, you know? And so was thinking of doing that. Cause that would be a good way too. So even if you're hunting in an area, and that doesn't have some of the spots are cooler. hundred percent. Yeah. I find that I, in the swamps, you know, you think there'd be, Litter with mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. It's actually the cool some of the sections of swamps. It's actually a couple degrees cooler. Yeah. And if you're growing, you know, a bigger deer, you're, you're growing antlers, and the mosquitoes aren't as bad as they are up high, which is weird because you look mm-hmm. at it, you get yeah, a swamp, but it's not warm. You know, it's, there's definitely a, a slight breeze in there. It's like I find a lot of bedding. You know, in the summertime, mm-hmm. you know, up up along that edge, we're like they're not bedding here. But you get in that, it's like almost being in a cornfield. There's not a lot of bugs in the cornfield. Right. If anybody's ever walked through cornfield and all of this, it's like not a lot of mosquitoes. That's mm-hmm. why deer like hanging out in the corn. Right. Yeah. I'm going to start hanging out in the corn in the summer. I'm gonna, actually, I'm going to plant my whole backyard in corn. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> get rid of the mosquitoes. All right. So I think we covered that pretty well. Let's move on to the next one. And this one is uh, I'd be curious about how many sits y'all give an area early season before October. October 15th through the 20th. So right, right before pre-rut kind of, or the law, the quote unquote law seems like, uh, mostly bed hunting then. So are we bouncing around bedding depending on food sources? Yes. Uh, like hunting (laughs) near a, uh, bed near an Oak flat or just one and done. And then on the next one, giving it a couple of days before moving in, uh, to the next spot. I do. Um, like I said, my approach in the early season is to be in one area. And I'll take through like first week of seasons, usually the best time to kill deer. Yeah. So if I got three days, I'm just going to just quadrant hunt my way in until mm. I find that sign. I know they're in there. If I, especially if I seen them, mm-hmm. you know, September one, you know, I'm going to quadrant hunt that for three days and I'm going to keep scouting until I find that sign. Mm-hmm. And Without the food, you know, if I, especially if I don't see him, it, you know, I'll, I'll walk the perimeter, you know, the edge, say there's beans or corn or somewhere or rogue flat, look for tracks. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I cut a big track, then I'm going in. Right. And I'm going to try and decipher where they're going and could be going. Mm-hmm. So you'll spend, so the, like to answer his first part of his question is like, you're spending a couple of days in, a, in an area, maybe yeah. not on one bed per yeah. se, but you're going to spend it in, yeah. a, in, a, in a First three area. days, because, his guards down, 
you can yeah. make mistakes. He's yeah. going to make a few mistakes. And yeah. you got a chance to, they usually won't bump very far because it could be a hiker. It could be, mm-hmm. you know, they haven't had much pressure throughout the summer. So yeah. I'll get a little aggressive in September. Yeah. Even even Todd was like, did you really get in there? I'm like, I ain't coming back. So it's like, I'm, Who cares? I'm going down swinging. So. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think there's a lot to, you know, a lot to be, be said for that too, because, you know, there was one deer two, maybe three seasons ago. I don't know if you remember or not, but it was like, you remember I glassed that big one in a bean field. Mm-hmm. The bean field wasn't adjacent to public. It was like, it, it might've been maybe like a mile away, but all the bed, like all the land in between that and the public and surrounding it was all developed. Mm-hmm. So the only place the deer could really bed was like, there was this one strip of small timber that was on like this piece of private that was big enough, big enough to like, for like a doe family or two to maybe bed in. But I was like, the next best bedding was actually on the public mm-hmm. in like the very far like corner of the public. And if I were thinking, I was like, that would probably be the best first bedding for bucks to bed in because mm-hmm. they want to get away from the does and the fawns and stuff like that. And so similar to what you did where it's like, I kind of knew that deer was in the area. I didn't know exactly where, but our season, I think that year opened up like September 15th. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, around here they peel velvet around like the 10th, 11th, between like the 9th and the 11th. Yeah. And I you usually got maybe four or five days before they split yeah. and they go to wherever they're going to go for fall, right? And because it's local and the pieces are smaller, I knew like once he transitioned, like the chance of like him being around in October was mm. very slim, you know, and he was a big deer and I'm sure a lot of people saw him and whatever. I was like, I probably got like one, maybe two cracks at him. And so the first day I was like, I think I might know where he's bedded. Mm. So I went in like to where I thought they were, he was bedded. And sure enough, he was there with all three deer and I walked right up on him. Mm-hmm. And I thought, they would be, I thought they would have been bedded a little further. Yeah. They were about 70 yards further in than I had anticipated them being. And I, and I blew them out of bed, you know, but that's kind of like in the early part of the year, it's like depending, especially if, you know, if this fellow's hunting smaller tracks of yeah. public, you have an early opener, yeah. dude. Go in and like whip it out, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just shake it, shake it around. Like make it weird. Yeah. You know why? Because chances of that deer sticking around and being around yeah. in general in, in another two weeks anyway probably aren't good. Yeah. And then you basically get a clean reset yeah. once the, once the shift occurs in that yeah. area, most likely. Agreed. You know, and so I, I agree with you, man. Like just in that instance, I would just go whole hog. Literally. Whole hog. <laughs> Not to make it a little bit even weirder, you know. All right, this next one. If someone was just getting into bow hunting, what is your early season tactic besides food? Food. Yeah. <laughs> just food. Without, without the food, you're not going to have to do your early season because yeah. they have to pack on serious weight, mass, etc., to survive. So it'll be hard. It'd be a hard sell not to have food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I talked to Jake Bush about this when uh, they came down to the video on me. All the years I was hunting beds, it was you not a food, food guy. Yeah, and it's yeah. like looking back now, it's like oh, I was hunting food without willingly, knowingly I was hunting food. But basically, all the bedding was based off of food. Right, because at that time of year, those beds aren't going to be far away from no. where food is. No. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. why they chose it. It's, it's like, like ah, ah, I'm a little dense too. Yeah, there you go. 
You've been out in bed longer yeah. than me, though. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, I think with early season is that, you know, like Greg said, anything, any activity you have is going to be around food. If I had to say like, no, you could be hunting. If you have private and there's no food, then you got to find where they're leaving your private to go get the food. So you yeah. can just hunt or trails. if the food is on public and yeah. they're betting on you, then you yeah. got to figure out like what yeah. the ambush point is yeah. in and around. Where you around can get those. in and out um, without leaving your, your ground zone. Focus yeah. on getting in and out undetected. I was just going to say like, so the one thing I was going to say is like, I would go back to the thing that we just said about being, being aggressive. Like if, if we just said like, okay, we're just going to dismiss food and just assume yeah. that it's, that it's there. How would like, what would I do? I think at that point, then it is focus on access, access, yes. access, access, and be, so you can be as aggressive as yeah. possible. Yeah. Cause if you can't get it, in and out undetected it's over before it started yeah especially if you're targeting jersey you got to shoot a doe if we shoot a buck so it's like you can't go super aggressive in new jersey to shoot a doe right so it's kind of tricky <laughs> right right but like if you can shoot a, a buck right off the bat if if he catches your ground scent it's over yeah you never set a chance yeah and so you're burning your whole season mm-hmm. you know, or at least with that deer yeah you know potentially you know what i mean now I've seen I've seen deer play stupid in other places where they just don't. Yeah, depending see on the state often. too. Like if yeah. you a non pressure state or for sure, you know, or you got a couple thousand acres of unpressured private. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, the have and have nots. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a have not. So yeah, yeah, I'm dealing dealing with all the same same stuff too. I was gonna. I was going to add something, but I don't think it really, really adds anything. So I think we'll just skip it. You know, there was, there was no, you know, there wasn't anything good there. Make it weird. It was tap dancing. Yeah. You know, um, the next one, does Greg, does the special guest, does he do jujitsu? Uh, and if not, why not? Oh, anthracite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's old anthracite antler addicts. Uh, my, my brother in jujitsu arms. Yeah. Too many injuries. Yeah. Now we've talked about this because you used to do martial arts. Yeah. When you were not, when you were just a young Greg. Yeah. We lad. Second grade to tenth grade. Yeah. Then I got into MMA in I guess early twenties mm-hmm. um, for a while, and then knee surgeries, and it's just the risk reward ratio is just not there. Yeah. Uh, I plan on getting my daughter. Uh, you and I talked and, about that. It's yeah. something either judo or jujitsu or mm-hmm. some type of maybe wrestling. Boxing, something. She's going to have to do something whether she likes it or not. Right. Some ass-kicking sport. Mm-hmm. If, it's, yeah. if, it, if it ends up being taekwondo, so be it. Right. She will at least have some basic fighting skills. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the story why it doesn't. We, we've, we, you and I have talked about that. As offline. much as I want to. It's Dude, like, we've had con- whole yeah. conversations on the phone where it's like legit like five minutes of deer talk, yeah. and then we jump right into like talking like jiu-jitsu and, I, and judo. Because and, yeah, no. you, uh, you do like it. Yeah, I love yeah. it. But yeah. it's like, the body's like, um, the fuck you do? <laughs> <laughs> I got a little something to say yeah. about that, you know? I don't, I know, I don't think you do. Yeah. <laughs> no. You sure about that? I really do. You sure about that? <laughs> What's that mean from? What did yeah, I just see that yeah. from the other day? He's, he's all over the place. You <laughs> sure about that? I saw, it was on the best post yeah. too. Like as soon as I saw it, I was like, dude, this that's yeah. great. I actually think I sent it to somebody. You, you love jujitsu, your knees. Are you sure about that? Are you that? sure about <laughs> that? 
Yeah, it's a in a in, a, in like a, a leg lock class. <laughs> Your knees love jujitsu in a leg lock class. Yeah. You sure about that? Yeah, oh, yeah. My actually, my foot and ankle are sore from a leg lock. Uh, wasn't a leg lock class, but we were going over a bunch yeah. of different ankle locks and heel hooks last night. All right, so this next one. <clears throat> oh, the bow hunting fiend wrote in. He said, "Secret sauce." Yes. Or <laughs> secret sauce. <laughs> he said, "Secret." Guests sound spicy. <laughs> Just got that like mid nineties, uh, yeah. smooth R and B DJ voice on. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And it's weird again. <laughs> All right, gear breakdown detail. He's like, you know, gear breakdown detail episode would be fire, but we can we can show him some love and just do a little bit of gear breakdown now on what we're and what our kit consists of essentially. <clears throat> you want to go with me? Um, geez, man, I don't even, yeah, I can go. You need some time. You need to think about it for a minute. You got got, got some new toys. I did get some new toys. Yeah. I mean, I've been tinkering. I mean, a lot of my kits stay, uh, like the general kit, if you will, stays predominantly the same. I'll teeter back and forth between using like a predator platform or a, uh, a ring of steps. It really just kind of depends. Like for a while I was using the ring of steps a lot. For whatever reason, last year, partway through the year, I went back to using a platform. Like it filming. Just, 100% filming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It made it easier to take a camera, you know, and that's and that's honestly sure. what it was, <laughs> you know. And so this year, I'll probably just continue to use the Predator platform this year because I do plan to carry a camera. Two ring steps on the side of it. There's more stuff to set up, man. That's two steps, Clint. Yeah. And OC baits. Yeah. Settle down. Yeah, it's too much for me. <laughs> you, you heard how dense I was, right? Like, this is going to be a lot Nine for this ounces, guy. I can't do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a lot for this guy yeah. to deal with in a tree. Um, you know, so that's, you know, so I'll continue to use that. I'm going to shoot the same bows I shot last year, the Hoyt RX-7. Love that bow. Same arrows, um, the Exodus MMT arrows, um, which are killer. If you don't know, I think we were talking about it earlier, but they got some new 204s um, that you should be checking out if you're into smaller diameter arrows. Uh, check those out. But um I did get a new pack this year because I've been struggling. It's like the one piece of my kit has that has been like the thing that I've tried to change every year. Your packs was, and then, but I all pack whore. But the, I ultimately ended up going back to the same pack <laughs> every year because I just couldn't like take. Yeah. I just couldn't find one that worked. You know what I mean? And um, this year, our buddies at Tethered um, came out with the fast pack, and. And it's awesome. Like it, it works great for scouting. Like I've used it. A t- I used it a ton for that. Um, it, it it's filled all the needs in that in that regard. I've actually already put like all my hunting kit in it to see how like I would pack mm. it because it is small. Like look, I'm not gonna lie, and, and it's pricey, you know. But it's it's bomb proof. It's one of those things that you'll have for ten years and it'll still work. It's not gonna fall apart. It's not gonna rip. Um, and Greg and those guys, even when they made the videos about it, like they they said, like look, cost you a couple ducks. You know what I mean? But Quack, 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 but it's going to last you a long time. It also isn't like, you know, like some of the like Berber, yeah. Berbery kind of fleecy material packs that you've seen that are like super, like super, super quiet because it is made bomb proof. You know what I mean? Like it will, you know, it's, well, it's so. meant to last. So it's got a little noise factor to it, but it's not overbearing. Like yeah. I've walked through the timber with it and it's. Listen to that. Unless you, I, I've had packs with the fleece stuff and not fleece stuff and the packs that hold the best are not fleece. Yeah. hundred percent. So if <laughs> you want to spend 200 bucks or a hundred bucks, the $200 pack is going to last you 10 years yeah. probably. And, and the, it'll get soft eventually. Yeah. 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 Exactly. 
the uh, and so I started using that, and I actually put all my hunting gear in because I wanted to see how it configure everything because it is on the smaller side, you know. But you know the way they kind of build everything with like the bowling ball pouches and stuff like that that expand. Like I got all my hunting kit in it that I would take with me when I hunt, mm. and I put and I packed it like I was packing for a Kansas all day hunt yeah. where I'm going to be out, you know. So I need to have like an extra like jacket because the wind mm-hmm. might kick up or whatever, you know. And I was able to fit everything in it. So that was like the big piece that I changed this year. So it's like, if you've been looking for a pack, like I would certainly give that one a look. Um, I got, uh, I did get the new saddle, um, you know, that uh, is, is, is launching, or at least I've got to play with it. I should say um, the lockdown. So I'll likely be using that. I still love the phantom saddle, um, but the lockdown is comfortable with, with the panel and stuff like that. So, you know, I'll, I'll likely be making the move to making the move to that. Um, same sticks as I've been using, you know, as one stick in with the tethered one sticks. That's not changing at all. Um, I'm trying to think. I did get a couple of new pieces of gear from Sitka recently. Um, it was more so I wanted to build out a kit that I that was kind of meant for hunting Kansas or hunting plain states. I, like I wanted things that were like solid colors and stuff like that. So I just was blending in more with like the surroundings because camo typically, you know, whatever camera you're using is usually th- at this point made for you to be in a tree yeah. by and large. You know what I mean? It's made for you, whether it's, you know, whether it's Sitka or first lights camo pattern or Osseo's camo pattern or whatever it is, it's meant for you to blend in when you're in a tree. Right. So it's like, you know, I know Sitka's is more like when you're looking at the sky because it has like the mm. colors of like white and stuff in it. Mm. So you, they lose you in the sky. You know, with Aussie, I know it's like blending in with like the tree bark mm. and stuff like that. Like it's the the owl approach. Yep. First light, I don't know a lot about their technology, just going to be honest, like as far as like the reason, the rationale behind yep. their, their camo pattern. Um, so for me going to Kansas, it was like, I, and I don't know if this is even true. And you could hunt, you could kill deer on the ground in Kansas in like a red flannel shirt and yep. blue jeans. So I'm not saying that you can't, yep. but it was just, I always felt like I stuck out, you know, if I didn't have a ghillie jacket right. on and I don't really necessarily want to always wear the ghillie jacket, you know, cause there's enough ways for me to break up my silhouette out there with enough like grass and stuff mm. that's around that I don't necessarily need to wear the full on ghillie all the time. Well, the guys, they don't wear ghillies. Exactly. Yeah. You know? And so, but if you notice what they wear is all predominantly solid mm-hmm. colors and different hues, you yeah. know what I mean? A little spray paint action. Here a little spray there. paint. on no, 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 no. <laughs> On, a, on an old uh, Root of the Loons, like, thermal shirt, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Um, and so I ended up getting, like, you know, a jet stream jacket, mountain pants, uh, and another pair of, like, pants that are all, like, solid colors. So I built, like, a Western or, like, a, yeah. a, a, a Plains kit that I can use at all that'll work in, in those states. And then beyond that, the only other thing that I'm really tinkering with is my broadheads, you know. And so I started flinging, you know, um, started testing, like, a tooth of the arrow broadhead. Um, I've never talked to those guys. I don't, I don't know them. Um, I've just heard good yet. things about it <laughs> yet. Um, uh, cause I wanted a broadhead that I could resharpen. Um, and wanted something that flew really well, comparatively speaking with my field points. I wanted something that would penetrate really, really well, you know, and it was actually one of the arrows that Chad and those guys used when they were testing, or I'm not arrows, uh, one of the broadheads that Chad and his guys used when they were doing the broadhead test, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it was last year, I think it was, and it had the best yep. penetration, you know? And, um, 
so I picked up a set of those and I've been shooting, you know, one of those is like a target head, yeah. you know, to, to see how it flies and it's flying really well. So mm-hmm. I think that that's the one piece of kit that I'm going to change with my, with my bow setup is changing that broad. It's just the inch diameter one. I went yeah. with a smaller profile one. Um, you know, if you put it where it's supposed to be, it doesn't need to be that big, you know, and I want more of the exit than I want like yeah. large cut, you know? So, um, especially in the, if you, Kansas, you know, your drag, bigger broadheads, windy, mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of things to take into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I did think of that because the first day I was actually shooting when I got him and I went outside to shoot, uh, shoot one. It was, um, it was right before all that, like, I don't know if you got it in Jersey, but we got like a bunch of wind and like these storms kind of all rolled through and it was right on the front of that. So like the wind was ripping like, yeah, pretty I, good. I was shooting in the wind right before Michigan Tech because we don't get much, especially you've been in my yard. Yeah. Not a lot of crosswinds. And no. I had a nice, I mean, wicked wind coming in. I'm like, I got to shoot my bow. And I was yeah. like at 60 yards. I mean, I was having like 10 inches of drift wow. plus, you wow. know, but you're like shooting you just watch the air just like fall in. And that's just what a field point. So you, you put a big old broadhead on there that could yeah really mess your uh <laughs> yeah flight up a little bit yeah for sure but yeah i think that that's that's it for like gear and so that's not like new gear the only new things are really the broadhead i've wore sitka for forever mm-hmm. and that's so but it's a, a couple new articles from that fast pack and you know yeah. rock the, the lockdown saddle yeah. be like the new pieces for this year um but yeah that's uh, that's my kit what about you man what do you what do you gonna same, do this year uh, method two saddle latitude um, I got both their platforms, but I'm a platform and two ringing steps because it's way cooler. <laughs> Taking that extra time, dude. Yeah. That's when that deer's going to sneak <laughs> in on you, dude, when you're trying to buckle that uh, OCB, son. Yes. <laughs> Same old ass bows I got, an old new breed and old bow tech carbon icon. Um, I didn't realize how cheap I was till I go, what people spend on sites now and stuff. Crazy, I'm like, man. I'm like, how much is that again? Uh, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. True glow for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, whatever it was like several years ago, I bought that HHA site, yeah. you know, and I, the only reason I bought it was because I wish the only reason, but like I had a handful of friends that used yeah. it and like literally beat the tar out of it for years. And he had the same site. Yeah. He literally dropped it out of a tree one day hunting. His bow got jacked up. He had to take his bow to the shop. Site dead nuts. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so I was just like, that thing's a tank yeah. and I don't have a need to change sight yeah. until that one's broken and I don't ever see how it's yeah. going to break. But, you know, in the probably pick up Exodus 204s. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Picking yeah. up 204s. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, you were busting my balls about that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stick with the ones I got. Uh, so they get the Ozio camo um, and he sent me some of the the mossy oak because I'm, I'm going to hunt the ground a little bit in the, in the salt marsh this year mm, after nice. work I got a couple spots I can dip in after work because I'm sure the kids will be playing some sports where I won't have a Saturday probably mm-hmm. most of October so right, <laughs> I told right. the old lady I was like I'm hunting after work just right. want to put that out there right now hunt after work you uh, sure? <laughs> yeah, you sure about that? <laughs> you sure about that? <laughs> uh, and that's basically yeah I'm same shitty as Super Day pack I've had. I did pick up Elevation. I don't know if try ones. It's a smaller profile for early season. Okay. Um, it holds everything nice. Good mm-hmm. enough, you know. Yeah. But I don't really. Remind you know. me before you leave. I got I got a pack downstairs. If you if you dig it, you can 
you can take it with you and check it out and see if you see if you like it or not. And um, but yeah, not much. Same release, same basic arrows. You know, yeah. outside of the two of fours, I shoot radical archer design heads, four blades or one inch, and they got a big inch and three sixteenths, and they have a titanium three blade, which is indestructible. Hmm. I'm sure a lot of things with that, and it's like brand new. Yeah, <laughs> you spend spend money on a good head, but it lasts forever, and it's like to change out the blades. I'm like, cool. Yeah, the only other broadhead I was considering kind of checking out. Um, that I've been thinking about recently is the is the grizzly stick broadheads because I've just I've heard really good things yeah. about those. They're big, big cut. Yeah. If yeah. your your bow's single not, bevel, I think. Yeah, if your bow's not tuned, it's a big with two two blades. It's what inch and a half. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty big slice. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah, it's uh yeah it'll do some it'll do some damage for sure. But if you get any speed out of your bow, you might run into problems with that thing. It's a, it's a lot steer. Actually, yeah. I, I do, you know, Zinger Fletchers, mm. Fletching. Um, uh, they 3D print. They slide over your arrows like no gluing. I shot them, shooting the crap out of them, and pretty dope. Nice. So they're cool. Zinger, it's just like yeah. your last name, dude. Zinger with the Zinger. Yeah, dude. But uh, I was kind of skeptical. I seen, like, Adam with them last year. I was like, it's nothing things. <laughs> <laughs> You kids and, in your yeah <laughs> contraptions, and then they gave me a pack at that Harrisburg show, and it's like, and my one bow is tuned for broadheads, you know. So I was like, cut off the fletchings, put it on, and it was like, lasers. That's just the first one. So I was like, did it again. I was like, cut off another one. I was like, just stack it in there, and I'm like, yeah. How, what, was, what's that? What are they, what's the different? Like, how are they different? What are they just to do slide them? over the arrow. Three D print. They three D print them, and then you just slide them over the arrow. You, you put like a wrap on. Mm-hmm. You put them on it. They don't move. How do you adhere it? it just sits like it's really? like a compression fit, kind of like stretchy a little bit. Like Chinese finger trap. Yeah, basically, you put a little uh, alcohol or something on the back of the arrow, stretch them out, put them on there, on and don't move. Wow. I shot them all attack, and I shot through a tree. The fletching stayed. The arrow went through the tree. The arrow's still good. Put the fletching back on the tree. The arrow's like good, good to, to go. go. Do you could do you could do arrow work in the woods with those? Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like well, I, well, Annette was there, and I, I made a dozen arrows to take. I did. Well, I took ten zingers, and I took eight regular ones, and I scraped them off. And to do ten arrows with kids, even with two jigs, it takes a while. Right. Yeah, and I was literally done in like fifteen minutes, and I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, it's kind of nice." Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> nice. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, oh, I kind of like that, you know, especially right. uh, well, especially if they fly well. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like then there's no reason to not like them. You yeah, know? and they, uh, that's about it. Nice. So I think we covered. I think we covered our gear situation uh, well enough. There's nothing really new for the trailer this year that I missed that I'm thinking of. You know, uh, well, you know what I did think of getting. Only because this is in preparation of like the Iowa trip, not this year, but next. Is I actually thought about getting roaming Starlink, like internet for the for the trailer. It's pricey, work. but what's that? Because you work. Yeah, because I can work from it. Because when I draw Iowa not for this season but the following uh, I'm just gonna and we'll I'll sure I'll talk a lot about this but I'm actually just gonna go out there and live out of my unit for like beginning of the season till yeah. I till I fill a tag essentially just live out there and work for you ever buy your wife yet I did she's okay with it 
You sure about that? (laughs) (laughs) She said she was. We'll see if that lasts or not. All right. This next question, Big Woods, PA, early season, warm weather. What are you targeting outside of acorns to find acorns to find bucks? Clear cuts. Edges of clear cuts. I'm going with places of abundance for 500, Alex. Yep. I'm uh, steering clear of the cuts a little bit only because they just, they get a lot of attention. Early season, they get no attention. No? I've, the little I've hunted in PA in early the opening week, most people. Mm, okay. Opening week. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. Warm, wet, warm weather. So where I was actually going to go with this was. Tap dance. <laughs> tap dance. Um, <laughs> Where I was actually going to go with this is the drainages that I know in like the steeper areas that are actually holding water that are mm. still that are still running, um, because it usually is a little bit cooler, like in and around those drainages, mm-hmm. especially if and they're oftentimes hemlock lined, and so if you can get like that sweetness of water, hemlock shade, dark mm. timber five degree plus like temperature difference in there. And there's a place where they can get hidden yeah. in there. Like that's probably what I would, mm-hmm. what I would probably look for. Um, in addition, in addition to cuts, but that's just one of the things that I've started kind of paying attention to only because I've started finding yeah. setups like that. One of them specifically is in a pinch yeah. between you'll love this, a big swamp and a big cut. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's, and then there's a, there's, there's, like a, a drainage that's yeah. there and it's like you could see how they're running that you know and i'll describe it to you more yeah. off off air here because i don't want to give much away but <laughs> there's like there's a couple things that make it even sweeter yeah. you know so that's where we would be for big woods pa early season uh next question too much effort to say question um set cams and tighten the spread to close on a buck or let them soak Say that again. So set cams and tighten the spread to close in on a buck. So like you're going to move them and kind of like shrink down his area or you letting those suckers soak. I'm more of a soaker. I'm saying. Um, Because I don't really hunt the same area consecutively a lot. Like Mm -hmm. historically speaking, I'm hunting over here and once I'm out of there, it's not like, oh, I got to move my cameras. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not that guy. There's guys. <laughs> you, you ain't that guy. <laughs> You're not that guy, pal. <laughs> <laughs> but I know people that that tactic does work sure, for them. Yeah. I mean, look at Prophet. What well, he does, he's yeah. always moves cameras, always like in it. Like for me, once hunting season starts, I'm my cameras are where they are. I, I carry two in my pack, you know, usually with a with a reader and batteries. Mm-hmm. And if I'm in an area, I'm close to my camera, I'll check it. But for me, I don't want to leave my ground set in places I don't want it. Yeah, the only time. I'm a soaker too, just to kind of like, you know, full disclosure, like that's my game. But I also have a lot of cameras at my disposal. So I set cameras this time of year. I'm setting them for October and November and stuff like that. So it's not like. So batteries are dead come October. I set them all with solar panels now. So gotcha. You sure about that? (laughs) Like, yeah, I did start setting them all with solar panels now, especially ones that I knew that I wouldn't get back to for sure or that. If I do, it's because I'm going to hunt in the general area and I don't even care what's what's on yeah. the camera necessarily. Agreed. I might not even check it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, I did start hanging them with solar solar panels because of that. But 
so I specifically set these cameras out this time of year where it's like some of them are certainly set for like early season, like velvet inventory, shit like that. Some of them are, are set on a lot of them are set on community scrapes, which will give me some inventory now, but it was good, you know, mm-hmm. mid to late October. Some of them are set on not a lot of them, but some of them are set on like pinches, you know, that I know like that look like are going to funnel deer or mm-hmm. there's clear that there's deer traffic there, you know, and that's more of like a rut thing that I probably won't even use for this year. It'll be more like if it pans out, then I'll know for next year, like yeah. the time frame that it really heats up in that area and I, I'll know when I can hunt it. Um, and then there's, and then there's some that I just set, you know, entirely that I just have a gut feeling. I'm like, Oh, hang a camera here and I'll let it sit. And I won't, I hung it in May and I won't pull it until next May. You Ron, know what I mean? Ron Papil said and forget it. Yeah. I do a lot of that. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I just set up a camera and you know, and that, I know like I like long-term data just from a historical I standpoint. do too. And because I don't, I don't usually chase a specific buck. Yeah. I'm an opportunist. I'll kill whatever good buck that trips my trigger that's in that area. So I, it doesn't, I don't care about if it's this buck, this yeah. buck or this buck, you know, I want to know there's decent bucks in the area, but I don't need to go move my cameras to try to follow one. Yeah. Once in a while, there'll be a deer that like, that I get enamored with, but even then I don't move my cameras around. You know, I, I just try to know where I've yeah. seen him on camera and then try to figure out like yeah. how he's like he how was, he's moving. See if I can yeah. get a sighting. Yeah, because I don't like outside of the rut. I rarely two sits max. Mm-hmm. In the rut, I might do three in one right area because the ground. I think the ground scent just completely just blew out that area. Yeah. So it's like why bother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's so that's you know. So I think we're both soakers. We kind of use them in very similar yeah. similar kind of ways because that long term data is the is the jam for me, especially if we're talking about especially if we're talking about big wood stuff because to me. There's, in my opinion, there's not a a lot you can do with data from a given year if you don't have additional year data from mm-hmm. years past on a specific yeah. deer mm-hmm. in the big woods because they just have too much room to, to roam, you know. And so if you're trying to try to kill this deer because you got a picture of him in October 16th and you're trying to kill him on October 17th through the 20th, Unless you know what he was doing that week, the year prior. Yeah, it's hard. It's going to be real hard, you know, because he's probably, if he's on a circuit of any type, checking things. Which he is. <laughs> could be days until he's back. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, all right. Next question. We got a couple more here. We'll bust through. Um, have you ever poured hot water into a frozen scrape? And what pH is scrape dirt dead? I have no idea what that means. I don't either. I've never had hot water in the woods with me. So <laughs> jet boil. Yeah, jet well, yeah, I mean, but I don't carry one of those in the white toe woods. Yeah. So no, I have not. Um and two, pH I've never measured the pH in a scrape before. No. Um I know that they're dead whenever they're stopped being opened. That's kind of how I That's kind of how I I tell whether they're dead or not. And and truthfully, it's uh, like I paint scrapes, so Whatever my pH is, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> I open it back up. Yeah. <laughs> I am oh, it's, door, it's closed. Um, you're open. You sure about that? <laughs> it's closed. You sure about that? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just if we're talking about whether a scrape is like viable or not, yeah. like that's pretty, 
pretty obvious, yeah. you know, like it, you can, you can tell. Um, but to me, it's like scrapes start, stop making sense pretty soon after, unless like you'll occasionally, if you're scouting for hot sign and you find a, an open scrape and it's no, November 3rd or 4th, well, by yeah. all means hunt it. Cause it just, it, it's, if it, if it is fresh, then you know, it's like super fresh. Yeah. Right, because they ain't in the business of like out making a bunch of scrapes that yeah. time of year. Usually, mm-hmm. that starts to die down right after Halloween, yeah. kind of type of time frame, right? And so, if you find a one that looks freshy fresh, and you're in like the first week of November, it's like you probably want to set up on it, but you probably don't want to give it any more than a day, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and so that's kind of like my criteria because I assume that they're all primarily dead by the for the most part, unless I see one that is that is visibly yeah. open. You know, and then it's a crapshoot from yeah. there. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Okay. I concur. All right. Approach to find a shooter with all corn crops. My state just banned trail cameras. Delaware. Yeah. Nice. Um, I would send that one. Whitetail yeah. addict. Okay. Corey, I think. Yeah. Is that Corey? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Uh, yeah, he he sent me a message about June 1st or about the they banned it. Oh, did they really? Okay. June 1st. I was yeah. like, uh, I was like, and then we messaged back and forth. But standing corn, cut big tracks inside corners. Yeah. I know when in Jersey, because we're September 10th, but they're living in the corn before September 10th. Yeah. Um, I, I find... I get bigger bucks living in the corn come like the third week of August because they're basically hard horn. It just hasn't fallen. The valve hasn't fallen. They have no problem going through the corn. It doesn't, the pain's not there involved because their growing is done. They're right. slowly hardened up. So they'll slip through the corn. So I think, uh, I mean, I target Jersey and Jersey uh, corn first week of the season a lot. And most people are beans. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm going for the corn because, well, most people aren't going for the corn. Right. Mm. Cut the way for rainy day, walk the edge, find yeah. those big tracks. They're going to be relatively consistent, you know, yeah. that first week or two of the season. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so Corey's, or we're assuming this is Corey, yeah. but he's, he's, he's in Delaware. Yeah. Yeah. So I would assume like with that situation, like you almost want to approach it like, like you, like for that. So if the corn is either up or freshly cut, yeah. right. Well, September 1st, it's going to be up. Right. Just, yeah. And it might be some, you know. So, he, but he didn't say September 1st. He's just saying in general with yeah. corn cross. But I, what I was going to say is like from the time that it's up until it's cut. And they re- have to leave the corn. The, they don't live. I mean, they're not in the corn 365, you know, 24 7. Right. You know, or 24 7. So they're going to come out of that corn somewhere and enter that corn, just like any bedding area they're going to come right. in and out so you just walk that perimeter cut those tracks there's going to be right. one or two trails and then just try and sneak in there the best you can and hunt that edge right and that's what that was the point that i was going to make is like regardless of whether it's up or whether it's recently cut they're going to feed there whether they're feeding there in the summer yeah right or whether they're feeding there because it just recently got cut sometime in the fall whenever whenever they pull it but that is your place of yeah. like probably like the best intel because you can cut a track there and you can tell directionally where they're headed and like old, where they're coming out and like Dan Fitzgerald corn crazed whitetails put the tripod in the middle of the cornfield uh, I don't know that I've ever seen that that's a great one it's an old is it? yeah it's I might have seen it like on dude, he's in a tripod 
in the cornfield and like he got two bucks for like battling out on corn. He's just like, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, I mean, I think that would be your best bet. And then just start trying to, trying to backtrack things. Big tracks. Yeah. No, no trail cameras is equal. You got to ramp up your woodsmanship skills, which is big tracks is most likely going to get you a bigger body deer. Might not be the horns you're looking for, but it's probably the age class that you're looking for. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a, unfortunately for states like that, it's going to be a saddle up cowboy yep. type of situation. It's going to be, you know, a lot of glassing. And I mean, corn can't hard to glass, right? Yep. But like if there's beans around too, like, and there's always adjacent. like the inside corners, there's always cornfield with inside corner or hedgerow. Right. Just start there. Right. Trying to get a visual, watch where they're coming in yep. and out. Start looking at your map and figuring out where the bedding opportunity is. Got to spend some time scouting, probably like not just like this time of year, but like as soon as season opens, like it's almost like a, you truly have to kind of take the approach that like, you know, so when, you know, doing this show for, dude, I've had this show now for like seven years, right? It's crazy. I know I'm getting old. Um, all that money you made look at you now I know man <laughs> rolling in it anyone ever thought that it was like a lucrative idea to start a podcast seven years in <laughs> you know it's, it's not it's, <laughs> you sure you sure about that it's like I wish I had that meme when I started yeah. this thing um, when you listen to like these guys that are just straight killers that you know that I've been able to have on the show for years is they always scout more than they hunt Mm-hmm. And that's hard concept for a lot of people. And I was just going to say it's extremely hard. And it's, and it's now it's like whenever States are starting to, to ban trail cameras and stuff like and that. Now it's possibly like, baiting and all the other stuff. I know that's been, a, they've been talking about yeah. that in some other States yeah. allegedly. So it's like you, you got to stay mobile. Yeah. It's like, you're going to have to scout and scout two days to hunt one mm-hmm. essentially to, to make sure to find, to know that you're kind of in yeah. an area to give yourself Just scouting a is hunting. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's the thing. It's like the, the, the people call it two different things, yeah. but it's the, you know, yeah. the only difference is, is like whether the season is in or not yeah. is the difference, you know? So awesome, man. Well, I think that's a wrap buddy. Uh, we've been jamming for about two hours. You probably need to pee. You're doing the pee dance over there. I think a little bit in your chair. No, I'm good. Actually. You're good. Okay. Let's get the one. That's why I only gave you one water. I'm, I'm limiting your liquid intake. I'm, lim- I'm limiting your intake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before you get it out of here, though, buddy, let people know where they can find out more about you, what you got going on, and where they can follow the zinger. <laughs> zinger with the zinger. Zinger with the zinger. I'll be here all week. Bam. Um, Instagram, uh, YouTube, if I ever, I got some videos on the phone that I just need to sat down and do an intro and outro for it. Surprised but. you haven't done it with all your free time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like now, like that uh, took presence of, of getting up early for work and working out, stretching and like working on my hip mobility right. ankle. So it's like, I'm getting up at three forty-five. So it's like nine o'clock. I'm done. We're literally at Greg's bedtime right now. Yeah. Greg, is it nine? No, no, no. You're good. Oh, getting you get, close. Getting close. <laughs> getting close. Yeah, like like ten o'clock is late for me these days. Right. It's like, and it's just tough, and trying to like put out stuff is like, man, I just I look like shit at nine o'clock at night, as you can yeah. tell. <laughs> you look great, dude. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, but yeah, Instagram, YouTube. Awesome, man. 
Well, thanks for coming over, buddy. Yeah, man. It's always. always good hanging out with you, man. We need to do it more often. We need to shoot at some point together and just make yeah. we need to just make that happen. Well, you had to not be a member of the club anymore. Yeah, yeah. I know. I did have a membership at a cool archery club for a yeah. while, but I always kept three D targets up year round. Yeah. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Maybe I should join that again. It's right off. Right off. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. What is that? It's right off. You yeah. know what that means? It's right off. It's a right off. You sure about that? All right, folks, thanks for listening. Later. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Genesee Beer. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.